This episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot. Welcome to The Wrap, a weekly podcast covering women's sports news. Bez, what have we got around the grounds this week? Coco Goff won her maiden Grand Slam title. The Knights dominated at Ladder Leaders. That was a lot of L's. Ladder Leaders, Roosters. The Knights dominated Ladder Leader, Roosters. That's tough in my defence. <laughs> it's definitely nothing to do with the weekend I've just had. And Coach Kim Mulkey signs the richest deal in women's college basketball history, signing a new 10-year contract worth US $36 million. We love to see it. For the key story, we'll discuss netballer Maddie Proud's article about concussion and its impact on female athletes. My name is Chloe Dalton. I play AFLW for the GWS Giants, and I'm joined every week on the show by my co-host, Bez, who is across all things rugby. Bez, you've had a large weekend. It was medium-sized, but yes, we had a nice little end-of-season trip down to Lake Conjola for the, the Rats girls. We shared some stories and talked about how good we could have been. It was fun. (laughs) It's always the way, isn't it? What about you, friend? How was your weekend? Oh, look, we travelled down to Canberra to play some footy against the reigning premiers, the Melbourne Demons, and our first three quarters were pretty solid and our last quarter was not so good. Um, Yeah, and then had to sit in the car for four hours home on a Sunday night to get home at midnight feeling a bit sad and sorry. Um, and now we're moving house today. So it's just a great weekend that keeps getting better. It's a bit on. It's a bit on. Send help. Uh. <laughs> Let's take a look around the grounds. In surfing, American Caroline Marks won her first surfing world title by defeating Hawaiian Carissa Moore, who is the Olympic gold medalist and five-time world champion. Marks entered the WSL finals, seeded third and defeated number five seed Katie Simmons and number two Tyler Wright of Australia to face Moore in a best of three finals matchup. So it's the second year in a row that Moore has gone to lower trestles in California with this new final five system that they do, ranked number one, but not walked away with the world title. She must be feeling pretty ordinary about this new system just quietly. Okay, can we discuss that while you say that? Because I was interested reading a lot of the comments on the WSL page um, when Caroline Marks had won it. And there were a lot of people saying, this new system is ridiculous. Um, Carissa Moore should be a seven-time world champ, blah, blah, blah. I, I get that because it is a new format. But if you think about in, let's use football as an example. Let's. If you are the premiers, the minor premiers of the season, you still have to go and win the finals. That's the whole point of being the best is like you're, you're the best because you're consistent throughout the season, but then you're also the best because you perform under the intense pressure of finals. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Um, however, <laughs> there is that debate and it's, it's a caveat. But like, for instance, when you look at football, all of those premierships are uh, first past the post. So Premier League, WSL, all of that is – Boring. First past the post, you're the winner. And this is because we are Australians who have grown up and it lived in a grand final is the ultimate game situation. So, so what effectively, and I think that's what surfing's tried to do. They've tried to introduce a grand final day and that's what it yeah. is. Um, and obviously for the men, the last two years, um, Felipe Toledo has finished first and won the grand final, so to speak. 
So the, the debate's not there. But for Carissa, for whatever it is, she must hate lower trestles, but she got beat obviously by fifth place Steph Gilmore last year and then this year by third place Caroline Marks. So, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. I think it is if you want to be the best, you've got to perform on the day, in the moment. But Moore won three of the ten events during the regular season and she finished third in three other events, equal third, meaning she lost the semi. So using the old format, she probably would have secured the world title like two or three events ago. So it's I, love, I hear you won a grand final. I like that. <laughs> Back to the story and we'll just leave Chloe's debate where it belongs until until she obviously has a conversation with Jesse Miley Dyer and gets her to change the system back, eh? Yeah. 21-year-old Marks is the first goofy footer to win a women's world title since 2005 when Aussie Chelsea Jorgensen won. She said after the event, I was just in my flow today. I just had a special day with the ocean. There's definitely going to be a massive party after this and everyone's invited. How good. I want to be there. Same. Marks is coached by Australian Luke Egan and her vertical backhand attack was lethal in the final. Egan has encouraged her, and I love this from Luke. He's, he's obviously goofy himself. He encouraged her to push her turns until she fell in training so she understood how far she could take it. Cool. And, yeah, so obviously in that final she was just banging up some amazing backhand turns. It was pretty cool to watch. Um, she's always had the potential. She broke records as a junior when she was the youngest surfer to be added to the tour at 15 years old. And this was seen, this, I think, world title is definitely seen by many as Mark's finally reaching her full potential. And she had a rough season last year. She missed most of the season due to some recurring medical and health issues. And she, I think she only competed in the one event before kind of stepping away. Um, but it's definitely safe to say she's in a good space now and she'll be looking forward to a massive 2024 that will include an Olympics berth for her and also for more who she beat. They'll both be representing the USA at the Olympics, which will be held in Tahiti because How good. it's a France island, so play on. Sure, we'll take that. In <laughs> tennis, the US Open finished on Sunday morning and 19-year-old Coco Goff had, had to come from one set down to defeat second seed Arinya Sabalenka, 2-6, 6-3, 6-2 in the final. It was Goff's first Grand Slam win and the US Open crowd were raucous throughout the match. Sabalenka was very good in the first set and it appeared that Goff took time to come to terms with the Belarusian power. Goff looked to make adjustments in the second set and that, along with a number of errors coming off Sabalenka's racket, allowed the American back into the match. In the end, Sabalenka made 46 unforced errors, more than double Goff's total of 19. Gosh, it's tough to win with that many unforced errors, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. That proved to be the difference and Goff was unstoppable in the third set. Goff burst into tears and ran to embrace her parents. Oh, it was so beautiful, wasn't it? It was beautiful. Oh, my gosh. I was like, it was really cool. It was really great. And also, I'm jumping ahead here, but she obviously paid tribute like to her opponent, but she she had something to say for some people. Get there. You go. Sorry, I'm stealing your thunder here, friend. I will get there. (laughs) But it was also quite funny because I don't think, I don't know if it was just her dad or her family weren't actually allowed in her box. (laughs) So she had to run. So, you know, usually they like kind of climb up into the box. She had to run like all the way up into the, like almost into the nosebleed section it looks like. I think she was looking for Justin Bieber and all the famous pals that have been there for the last couple of weeks. There's been some good celebs in that crowd. Absolutely. Um, let's get to the to the speech. 
Um, as you said, pay tribute to her opponent, but I loved this, what she said to those who have doubted her. Thank you to the people who didn't believe in me. Like a month ago, I wanted to a title and people said I would stop at that. Two weeks ago, I wanted to a title and people were saying that was the biggest it was going to get. So three weeks later, I'm here with this trophy right now. I try my best to carry this with grace and I've been doing my best. So honestly, to those who thought they were putting water on my fire, you were really adding gas to it. And now it's really burning so bright right now. Amazing. So good. Sabalenka has had a stellar 2023, winning the Australian Open and being a semi-finalist at the French Open and Wimbledon. She finished the US Open ranked number one in the world and will be looking to defend her Australian Open title in early 2024. It was. I also love Sabalenka after, after the match in her speech. was like, oh, thanks for cheering for me now. Would have been nicer in the match. <laughs> she was... <laughs> I love that. Little little final dig at the New York crowd, which is obviously very much on Coco Goff's side. In some more tennis news, the Association of Tennis Professionals, ATP, and the Women's Tennis Association, the WTA, will discuss a historic merger between the leading men's and women's tennis tours. Talks are expected to take place in London at the end of this month, and they'll look to lay groundwork for a deal which will see the ATP and WTA work together. So any merger would obviously require approval from a number of different parties as each tour has obviously got its own separate sponsors, TV licensing agreements and venues and all sorts of things. So it's probably a fair way off yet. There's definitely some concern though that the male players may be hesitant due to the current disparity in prize money between the two tours. Obviously there's equal prize money between for the four majors and the US Open just celebrated 50 years of that being the first ones to get there. But on the under the, t- the tours underneath the majors, male players earn about 75% more than their female equivalents at all other events. So should the tours become one, the male players might fear there's a, there'll be a financial redistribution. That'd be really tough for you guys. Sorry about that. Anyway, uh, it <laughs> it's been reported that the approach from Saudi Arabia to be involved in tennis has been the catalyst for these talks. So we spoke about... Billie Jean King and her Saudi Arabia comments last week. Tennis is pretty keen to avoid the controversy that the recent Live Golf Tour has endured and is aware that there are rumours of the Saudis wanting to create their own tennis tour to rival the current setup. Saudi Arabia is in the running to host this year's WTA finals, which is an end-of-year event, which they kind of like a best of the best, um, and it's still looking for a host city. The reason, obviously, again, that they they're in the mix is organisers have offered to substantially increase the prize money to over $12 million. So I think it's like three times as much prize money as any other host city has offered. So it's pretty hard to say wow. no to. Yeah. Ons Jabur of Tunisia told media at her US Open pre-tournament presser, you know, as an Arab player, I'm very excited to be there. I am someone pushing for a change, pushing to give more and more opportunities, especially for women. So again, we come back to that kind of, interesting dilemma of if this is going to help the profile of women's of female athletes it's it's a real tough one do we do they take the saudi arabian money i guess we'll wait and see won't we in basketball the chicago sky became the eighth and final team to clinch a spot in the 2023 wnba playoffs by beating the minnesota lynx 92 to 87 as the eighth seed, they will come up against the Las Vegas Aces or New York Liberty in the first week of finals, which start this week. 
The playoffs start on Thursday morning and there'll be plenty of Aussies in action. Kayla George has been strong for the Aces in her limited minutes and Sandy Brondello is having a huge year as coach of the New York team. Beck Allen will be playing finals with Connecticut and has been starting at guard for the Sun. Also, shout out to Beck Allen who's doing some awesome um, punditry work at the moment. I don't know if you've seen, I don't know if you follow her, Bez, but she's been doing some really cool stuff. I think she was doing the men's um, FIBA World Cup. It's really cool to see current athletes kind of making a name for themselves and and getting exposure in that space as well. Um, Alana Smith will pull on the Chicago Sky singlet and has been instrumental in their run to finals. Looking forward to seeing them have a huge playoff series. Alana Smith's been good, hasn't she? Very, very good. Let's talk Kim Mulkey. I don't, if you haven't seen her before, you need to check out some of the fits that she wears when she's coaching. She is, she's a real personality. She's a she? lot. She's a lot. She's America. <laughs> she coached LSU to the NCAA title in April and has just signed a new 10 year contract worth US $36 million. That deal is the richest in women's college basketball history. We love to see it. Although the deal means she is set to receive more than her male counterpart, men's basketball coach McMahon, there is still a large gap when it comes to the buyout clause. Mulkey can at any point be terminated without cause for the all-in cost of US $2 million, while McMahon's contract outlines that his termination fee would be nearly US $14 million or 80% of the compensation left on his deal, which runs through to 2029. Mulkey's LSU Tigers team are expected to be to start the new season as one of the favorites, having revamped their roster after losing three stars to the WNBA this year. They've still got Angel Reese though, so they're on. It is interesting that they, you know, an amazing deal, but then you kind of read into the fine print and you're like, oh, that's still there's still inequality there. Like we're still talking about a two million dollar versus a $14 million termination clause. So, yeah, it's awesome, but there's always just that little but, isn't there? Yeah, and I think even the fact like sport as an industry is is really tough, you know, like as a, as a player you talk about injury and selection and contracts and all of those things, but being a coach can be so cutthroat. Like if you, if you don't perform as a team, sometimes the organisation makes a decision like that and you're gone. Like it's, it's pretty full on to not have – the certainty, the fact that they can just be like, ah, without cause, off you go, we're done. Exactly. Now. And it is, like you said, being a coach, you do, you are, the buck stops with you. And at the end of the day, you sit an injury or two to some key players and all of a sudden should be looking at that $2 million in a bank account and kissing goodbye 30 odd million potentially. So it's an interesting one. Yep. In NRLW on Saturday, the Newcastle Knights put their hands up to be the favourites for the NRLW Premiership with a 20-4 upset of first-place Sydney Roosters. They were very good. Tamika Upton was very good. She is very good. She was awesome. I think if I could handpick an NRL player right now to slide on into the Waratahs women's team, it would be Tamika Upton. She also features in our, in our book. Tamika Upton is in the A to Z of Who I Could Be, which drops October 3rd, by the way. She is the letter U for Upton. And she is a gun. And you can pre-order it. I'm going to put the link in the bio. She's a gun. I'm, don't, don't forget to pre-order the book. Anyway, she's got two brilliant tries running for 250 metres in a player of the match performance. The Roosters were missing two of their stars on Saturday with 
prop Millie Boyle and former Newcastle Knight a late out with a shoulder injury and sent uh, Jessica Sergis on the sidelines after she had finger surgery during the week. It was four all at half time, but second half, the Knights just let it rip. They will be able to wrap up the minor premiership with a win over the West Tigers in the final round this weekend. There's also been chat during the week after the NRL sent an email to club CEOs asking for expressions of interest for the addition of NRLW teams, which will be open from 2024. So effectively, I think uh, there was definitely chat that there was going to be more teams from 2025, 2026, but this email kind of came in and said, actually, you know what, if you're ready next year, we'll consider it. Um, so there's obviously a number of Cubs, clubs keen to get their women's program on the big stage, but there's definitely some concerns from others that the rapid expansion will have some negative impacts on the game. Arguments against expansion point to the injury toll that has been experienced by a number of sides this season and noted that squad sizes are too small to provide coverage when injury occurs. It's an interesting one that I haven't thought deeply about. I think you extend seasons um, but you keep in any, and if you keep the squad size the same because of obviously financial constraints, it does, you know, contact sport injuries do occur. So it does definitely put pressure on that squad size. Yeah. And I think if we look at AFLW example, we've expanded too quickly and don't have enough games. And I think the NRLW so far has done a good job of, yes, it's been slower, but they've increased the number of teams with the number of games. And I think it's a, while it's it's felt really slow for them, I think for the sustainability of the game, to me, it makes sense the way they've done it so far. So I don't think it's worth rushing. This episode is brought to you by The Athlete's Foot, proudly supporting women in sport since 1976. Start every game on the right foot with the right fit. Get fitted in store today or online at theathletesfoot.com for netball, football, running and recovery. Now that's fit. Yeah, and as you said, there's obviously also concerns about quality of the product when you expand quickly um, because there is a limited playing pool still. Like no matter how you, you, how you look at it, there's the kids coming up and coming through now, you know, there's obviously way more than there was five years ago, but we're still not quite at that point where there's anywhere near the amount of young boys coming through that you can pick from. So the playing pool is definitely limited. If they do expand, they'll absolutely be looking to to other sports um, for sure. And it's obviously really important that that product and the output continue to improve in line with greater investment. The game needs to be competitive to to attract that investment. And, you know, they added four teams this season. Um, and of those four teams, the Cowboys and the Tigers have just won, have only won two games in their first year of the competition. They've been pretty competitive. I mean, the Tigers only lost by four on the weekend to the Broncos. But, yeah, it is, it's a really delicate balancing act. So it'll be interesting to see if anyone does put their hand up to be in, included from next year. Australian Rugby League Commission Chairman Peter Volanders said, we wanted to wait till the end of the season to see how we went with the 10 teams, but we're very excited about the NRLW and we want it to continue to grow and we believe that we can get the pool of players even expanding next year. I think that's a really important thing that they are believing in the game, they're backing it and they want it to grow. So I think like, yes, while there is consideration around some of the factors that may 
impact if you expand too fast. That sentence didn't make sense, but anyway. But I just think, I think for me, the cool thing is that they're believing in the game and they know the potential it has. They're investing. Yeah. The Brisbane Broncos wore the initials of both Lavinia Gould and Tony Hunt on the weekend in their 22-18 win over the West Tigers as, as a show of support for the two players. Hunt was first diagnosed with stage four cancer in March of 2022 and after getting the all clear to play NRLW this season, just a few weeks ago she received the news that it has returned. Hunt has three children and will start treatment for the returned cancer this week. Gould has a gravely sick daughter, Kaya. The 19-year-old is in an induced coma after undergoing undergoing emergency open-heart surgery last Monday to save her life following complications with blood clots in her lungs and heart. Both the Broncos and NRL have pledged to donate to both players with GoFundMe pages set up for the public to assist as they navigate these challenging times. And Bezel will find the links and put those in the show notes if there's anyone that wants to support. But sending love out to both those families and all the players as well. In AFLW, round two saw some excellent games of footy played on the weekend. On Sunday, Hawthorne survived an arm wrestle to post a seven-point victory over the Western Bulldogs in Ballarat. The Bulldogs are now 0-2 and they're definitely struggling with an injury toll that showed in the 6-10-46 to 5-9-39 loss. Emily Bates was dangerous for the Hawks with 22 disposals and three clearances, while skipper Tilly Lucasrod led from the front and kicked the Hawks' first goal. Collingwood registered their first win in the season, defeating Fremantle by 21 points on Sunday. Brenna Davey was a handful again, and it's been pretty excellent to see her return from her ACL injury in such amazing form. Gee, she's dangerous. She's so good. She is. She scored a crucial goal in the 7-4, 26-3, victory. On Saturday, the Brisbane Lions bounced back from a first-round loss Absolutely dismantling Port Adelaide. 11 goals, 10, 76 to 4 goals, 2, 26. That was a real kind of, I think that first round might have woken them up a little bit. I would, wouldn't have liked to have played them in round two yes. just quietly. <laughs> no. Dakota Davidson was huge up front for the Lions, scoring four goals and hauling in six contested marks. Ali Anderson had 35 touches and the power just had no answer for the relentless Brisbane pressure around the contest, which I think is what they've become known for is just that pressure and it definitely returned Absolutely. on the weekend they were super impressive in all areas leading clearances 32 to 19 and inside 50s 44 to 25 and also on saturday gold coast star jamie stanton celebrated her 50th aflw in i reckon probably the best way possible don't you reckon she was everywhere six goals in your 50th how good and i think and she- she'd only prior to that she'd only ever kicked one goal what a ledge. Amazing. It was so good. I love that. So the Sun's got a 73-point win over West Coast at Carrara. I don't know why I said it like that. Just, it's just fun to say. Try it at home. Great. <laughs> the 15-9-99 to four goals to 26 hammering was Gold Coast's highest score and the margin was also their largest ever. And we won't talk about the Giants. Moving on. We already covered it. <laughs> in cricket, on Friday, Australia named 13-player squads for both the three-match ODI and T20 International Series against the Windies to be played in early October. Elisa Healy will continue to lead the side after it was confirmed that Meg Lanning will not return. In a statement, the Australian women's team doctor, Dr Pip Inga, said Meg is progressing well but remains unavailable for competitive cricket. No date has been set 
for Meg's return to play. However, we anticipate a gradual return through domestic cricket. CA, Cricket Australia medical staff will continue to work closely with Meg and an update on her availability will be provided in due course. The T20 series begins with consecutive matches at North Sydney Oval on October 1 and 2 before concluding at Brisbane's Allen Borderfield on October 5. Three ODI matches will follow with Brisbane and Melbourne hosting the fixtures. Another amazing opportunity post-World Cup. If you watched the Matildas and felt like, I want this to continue, get down to these games. It's all across the country. Whichever city you live in, go down and support our incredible cricketers. And North Sydney Oval on a sunny day, it's hard to beat. Beautiful. Hard to beautiful. beat. In some really short football news because we're really quite sick about talking about this quite sick of talking about this because it just shouldn't be what we're talking about. But as we record, it's just been released that Luis Rubiales has finally confirmed that he will resign from his position as president of the Spanish Football Federation. He released a statement um, and he also gave an interview to Piers Morgan, which I just makes my Gross. blood boil. I just, what, how much Gross. do you think he's been paid to give this interview? He's making money out of his disgraceful behaviour. Of course he is. Anyway, he told Piers Morgan, I cannot continue my work. I haven't seen it all yet because oh, I haven't read it all yet, obviously, because it's only just happened. But the statement that I did say, that, that I did have seen, it doesn't really address what he did. It's just more that, you know, if I continue, it's going to affect my family. I'm like, take some responsibility, please, it pal. So, it's so just victim. It's him being the victim. It's ridiculous. It absolutely is. Anyway, in case you're. Don't see it this week. He's gone finally. So great. Done. Over. In rowing, the World Rowing Championships were held in Belgrade, Serbia last week, and the Australian team won a few medals and qualified plenty of boats for the Paris Olympics next year. Nikki Ayres and Jed Altschwager Altschwager, won Australia's first gold medal in the PR3 mixed double skulls over the weekend. Their win capped off an outstanding season that included wins in the World Cup 3 in Lucerne in July and World Cup 2 in Greece in June, where they also set a world best time of 7.07.02 seconds. On Saturday, Annabelle McIntyre and Jess Morrison won silver in the women's pair. The pair went into the final as favourites, having been unbeaten in every race in Europe this season. But the Dutch pair of Clevering and Meester went out hard and fast and managed to hang on for the gold. On Sunday, Australia collected more medals with Tara Rigney winning bronze in the single skulls and our women's eight also securing the dirty gold after finishing third in a tough race. Australia has qualified 10 boats for the Olympics and four for the Paralympics. Congrats, team. What an achievement. So good. Let's take a look at the key story. A bit of a concussion discussion today. I didn't plan that. That was quite good, though. Aussie netball star Maddie Proud wrote an article for Code Sports this week that called on sport to heed the warnings and take action to prevent concussion in sport. Proud wrote about how the subject has been a taboo topic among athletes, with it often being something people tried to hide and tough it out to avoid missing games. Proud has highlighted that female athletes need even further research due to the anatomical differences between male and female athletes. Um, she also she touches on how, like we said, the subject has negative connotations and can be perceived as negative press for female sport, meaning many athletes choose not to speak up about those impacts. 
But as she reflected on her career, she realized she had inadvertently become the poster girl for concussions in netball. And she wrote that while she has been very fortunate to have had positive outcomes from my concussion experiences, I've only had to miss the then required one week and haven't had any lasting issues. But concussions are complicated. (laughs) They don't present the same in every situation, even within the same person. And different people will show different symptoms at different times. It's not as simple as diagnosing a torn ACL or broken arm. There are many more layers to diagnosing and treating this injury. And that's why research, resources and education are, in my opinion, key to ensuring we protect our most vital body part, our brain. It's a really interesting discussion because as Maddie has touched on, it's it's not a case or it is a case by case basis. It's not kind of this blanket rule of if you tear your hamstring, this is what it feels like. This is what it looks like on an MRI. These are the protocols to follow to return to sport. And it's a really, really unique one because I think it's probably the only injury where there's a sole responsibility on the player themselves to divulge the information about the symptoms they're experiencing. So there's baseline measures that happen with head injury assessment. So at the start of every preseason, teams that, well, not even contact sports, obviously netball is it's pretty physical, but I don't think it would be classed technically as a contact sport, but they would do baseline measures for concussion. And so that involves, I think we may have discussed it before, but um, it involves things like you get told 10 words, I think it is now, and then you have to repeat them back to the doctor. And then at the end of the test, you're asked to actually recall those 10 words and see how well you can do that. You have to say the months of the year in reverse. You have to say what day of the week it is and all of those things. So if you get concussed or suspected concussion during a match or training, you then repeat that test and they can then determine whether your scores are lower than what your baseline is. But you also have to answer questions of, do you feel dizzy? Do you feel tired? Do you feel a little bit not right in the head? And there's a lot of pressure on athletes to be honest in that scenario if it could potentially mean missing games, missing finals and things like that. So it is, as Maddie's touched on, it's a really, it's a really complex injury. Um, And she finished her article writing, just like any disease or injury, awareness is key. The more we start talking about these topics that might make people feel uncomfortable, the better. But that doesn't mean it's going to stop me from throwing myself at any loose ball on the court. She absolutely does that and she will not be stopping that anytime soon. No, I, th- I totally agree with what you said, Claire. That was a really intelligent way to discuss it because it is a, anything that's self-reporting is, you know, it's open to so many interpretations and you might not even actually understand how you're feeling. I think that's really key for what Manny's out there saying and it's, I think it's really, really amazing of her to say, Awareness is key. People need to learn more about it. Like you said, it's not like a broken arm. You know, you can't see it. You can't scan it. It's just something that you need to understand yourself. And I think there's a lot of athletes out there that don't understand, first of all, the symptoms and second of all, what the impacts that it might have later on in life. And I think that the more we get that into everyone's front of mind, the better we can actually look after our athletes. Completely agree. Let's take a look at what to watch. In AFLW, can I just say, the games this so far, two rounds in, super impressed with the standard. I think it's getting better every week. It's awesome. There's been really good footy played. It has. Round one, amazing. You guys were centre stage where you belong. Round two, also amazing, but here we are again, coming into a Friday night game this week between the Geelong Cats, who are absolutely flying, and the North Melbourne Kangaroos, who are 
also great. I think it's they're both in the top four at the moment after two rounds. The game starts at five o'clock on a Friday because there's some other game on Friday night, which, you know, it's probably a big one. My Kirsty will kill me, but there's obviously a big semi-final on Friday night between Carlton and and the Demons up the baggers, but in the men's. In the men's. I just this is not the right time, AFL. It's just not. It, they, these games, in my opinion, they absolutely deserve more than what we're getting currently. And obviously in a few weeks' time, the men will be finished and he'll be back on, on the centre stage. I just I think we need to do better than this. But anyway, it will be a ripper of a game. It's in Geelong, 5.05pm kickoff. It will be available to watch live on the Seven Network and the AFLW app for free and also Fox Footy. In the last round before finals in the NRLW, the big match will be between fifth-placed Canberra Raiders and third-placed Gold Coast Titans. The NRLW final series is played between the top four teams, so this clash will be vital for newcomers Canberra if they continue if they are to continue their season. The game will be on Sunday at GIO Stadium in Canberra, kick off at 3.15 p.m. local time. It'll be live and free on the Nine Network and also on Foxtel and KO Sports. And the Invictus Games are being held in Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf. Dusseldorf, even. Dusseldorf. <laughs> God, this has been a rough one. A delay, a big weekend, <sighs> lack of sleep. We apologise. Whoa. Uh, well, I do anyway. In Dusseldorf, Germany, from the 9th to the 16th of September. Invictus Australia, if you don't know about, if you haven't heard of Invictus before, um, it's actually really cool. So Invictus Australia and the Australian Defence Force have partnered to support 31 Australian competitors from Team Australia to travel to Germany and compete. The Invictus Games use the power of sport to inspire recovery, support rehabilitation and generate a wider understanding and respect for wounded, injured and ill servicemen and women. So it's for ex, oh, actually, and current, ex and current servicemen and women um, that have been obviously hurt or wounded at some point in their career. The Games will be streamed live on the Invictus Games website, which we'll put in the show notes. But... Yeah, it's an awesome, awesome event. And that's the wrap. That is the wrap. Goodness. I'd like to thank you in advance for your assistance today with my moving house. Appreciate time, you always, it's time, Bez. It's time to lift things, people. Oh, dear. I think we have to put the athlete on ice because she can't be lifting the day after a game, so she's called in the one with the big oh, muscles. I'm sore. The big muscles. And mum, PT Penny is almost here. She is also a legend who's going to help us out. Um, Hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next week. We'll be better. (laughs) Bye-bye.